The good people effect is something very special that happens when we surround ourselves with the right people to help us grow. The show is based on three main pillars, which are creativity, adventure, and purposeful living. My intention is to create positive momentum in the direction of real human growth. And I believe by taking a glimpse into the lives and minds of good people through deep conversations, we have the opportunity to open ourselves up to immense growth that can be later injected back into this crazy world. This is more than just another podcast. It's an energy of intentional growth that's been manifested from the beauty of the creative spirit, the call for adventure, and the power of purposeful living. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm very grateful and honored and I feel blessed to have you here with me today. And I'm so happy to and excited to share some of these awesome stories, experiences, and knowledge that I've gathered from having these chats. Uh, so today's guest is Gerald Tidwell. And Gerald has to be one of the most vibrant people that I've ever met in my life. He's just got such an energy, such an beautiful way of looking at life and living you know he's so into it and he's such a great guy that just you know how it makes us want to you know be better people and he's just we had an interesting chat we chatted about accepting who you really are we talked about facing some of life's obstacles with a big smile and just moving forward you know and living in a really uh, a way that's really true to who you are and and um with a with a positive outlook on things so that's what the chat's about we're about to get into it with gerald but before we do i just want to say quickly i'm trying to build this thing up to really help as many people as possible so if you know anyone that may you know maybe into chats about philosophy um discovering people's wisdom through their stories and experiences uh, into things like yoga, cold showers, meditation, personal development, if they're into nonfiction books, um, anyone that may be into just kind of growing and, and expanding and listening to interesting conversations or anyone that's just looking for a new podcast and um, they're into podcasts, then please let them know about the good people effect because it's really something that I want to spread. It's an energy that I really want to, you know, add into this world, a positive energy that I kind of want to throw out there and hopefully it's received in a, in a positive way, in a way that people can really um, get something out of these conversations. So please share it. If you haven't already, please hit subscribe and let's get into this conversation with Gerald Tidwell, uh, an artist for over 30 years, a beautiful creative soul. Let's get into it. <laughs> so just for everyone out there that doesn't know, we had a chat, Gerald and I, a little while ago and we lost the recording it was just like i don't know we're having technical difficulties didn't work out but we still had an amazing chat and gerald's been kind enough to you know join me for another conversation for, for part two and um i'm really excited about this yeah it's super great and i'm hoping that this time because we're doing it a little bit differently that it will work out perfect yeah unlike the rest of life <laughs> yeah, but that's just what happens like, that's what we were saying last time as well when like i was like fumbling around with things and it was like we started for a while it just wasn't working out and then we were just like there's no point getting funny about it because it's just life right that's just kind of yeah. how things go yeah i mean if life were perfect and easy we wouldn't have a reason to talk about this stuff mm -hmm. we would all just be sitting around in a cloud somewhere you know just like hanging out <laughs> yeah it's the it's the flaws that make things more interesting and beautiful. 
I feel like it's interesting you saying that because there was something that I feel like we kind of missed out on our last chat that I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into. So for everyone out there, Gerald is an amazing artist and with years and years of experience, I think, or like over 30 years of experience or something like that. Well, I've been a professional for 31 and a half years now. That's just crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> Holy cow. And um, we were, yeah, it's interesting when you look back on your time doing something, but um, you you mentioned um, before our last chat, actually, that you had an accident. Um, there was some sort of an accident with like a drunk, a drunk driver, and something happened to your wrists. Uh, I just wanted to hear a little bit more about that. I, want, I was going to see if you could um, kind of share that story with me and us. Yeah. Um, in September of 2009, uh, I was riding along on a perfectly beautiful, sunny day, like absolutely no environmental obstructions whatsoever. Yeah. And uh, a drunk driver hit me head on. Um, he was actually sort of turning across some lanes and just plowed into me. So I kind of hit the, the front passenger side corner and the A pillar, which is the big pillar that comes up right where you're like, where you're, uh, like where the top is, you know what I'm talking about, mm. where the windshield is mm -hmm. right there, which is all very sound structurally. So it was, it was like being hit by a brick wall. <laughs> um, and, um, it shattered both of the radiuses, my right and left radius, uh, crushed some of the small bones in my wrist on both hands and um, separated both of my wrists and hands from where they're normally at. So both of my wrists were about four or five inches back on my arm. My hands were sticking below my arms. Um, it um, broke my shoulder, broke my leg, and... Um, just in general, wasn't such a great day, <laughs> yeah. to say the least. But, um, you know, life does that, though. You know, and, and the, the first responders and everything that were there, um, one of them commented to me later that he couldn't believe that I didn't pass out from shock. Um, and I've already been in that situation a number of times with many other accidents. And actually, that was the fourth time I was strapped to a bodyboard being told that most people don't live through this, whatever it was at the time. And he said that he couldn't believe that the first thing I said to them was a joke that um, I couldn't, that he said, I just looked at him and said, seriously, dude, both of them, like, how the hell am I going to wipe my ass? You know, because both of my hands are messed up. And he was just like, how did you find humor at a time like this? And I said, well, Life is always going to surprise you, whether it's catastrophic injury, whether it's some unexpected bill, or whether it's just your, the wrong coffee at your local coffee shop. Life is constantly going to surprise you. Life does not give a shit about your plans. What does matter is your reaction to life. I was physically completely devastated. Like there's nothing I could have I can't even imagine much being worse unless my hands are actually just chopped off or eaten by a shark. But that's what it was. And so my reaction to it was that I can either make this much worse by overreacting and being a total basket case, or I can just collect my thoughts, understand what's happening to me, and understand that this is not going to be easy to come back from. And just go ahead and start thinking about getting back from where I am right now. And I think that that's something that most people aren't used to 
thinking. They, they don't normally think that way. I don't even know if that's a normal human way to think. I think we're supposed to freak the hell out and be crazy. But I've been injured so many times growing up racing motorcycles and bicycles and just being overall idiot boy growing up my entire life that I learned how to just accept that type of thing and know that it'll be fine. And I have one rule when it comes to injury. If you are coherent enough to realize how shitty it is, you're probably going to be fine. It's when you're so messed up that you don't even realize how bad it is. Um, so that was that. And um, just to give you a little backstory, in 1993, I had a rock climbing accident and fell and broke both of my legs the same day. So, <laughs> so two times in my life, I've had major bilateral injuries. And um, I'm sitting here laughing about it. You're still so, kicking. <laughs> apparently, it's not so terrible, you know? Yeah. But um, that's just the way it is, man. Life is constantly going to challenge everything you think is possible, everything that you can see that are your emotional and uh, sort of like your own projected limits. And it's going to push you past those all the time. And if it's not, then maybe you're not even paying attention to life because it's it's out there, man. Like if you're avoiding the challenges of life, I don't even know what you're doing. Are you just asleep or something? <laughs> oh, it's, man. it's interesting that, you know, you came, usually a lot of people I've found that have gone through these kind of experiences um, that result in them having some sort of uh, a disability or even just recovering from something that's so physically um, or mentally kind of um, trying these, these kind of experiences tend to give people that, that kind of a sense that you're talking about, but it seems like you already had that um, growing up. You, you were saying about when you were younger, you know, racing around on bikes and, and mucking around when you were younger. Could you talk to me a little bit more about that, that particular phase of your life? Well, I, I still do the same thing. I still ride around on my bikes. I still get smashed up. I actually have a couple of cuts on my legs right now from riding yesterday, and I feel like I was sort of in a fight yesterday because I ran into some trees and some rocks. <laughs> Those trees and rocks just jump right out Seems in front of me a, all the time. Yeah, <laughs> <theme going on. laughs> uh, but no, I grew up in the South. Yeah. Um, I had a very rough um, dad who was physical. And mm -hmm. so I realized that my dad would always say this thing like, it, and he was kind of an ass. We're good now, but he was an ass. And he would say that he, that life wasn't going to be easy. So why should he make life easy for me? You know what I mean? Like he was preparing me for life. And to be perfectly honest, I left home two weeks after high school. I was only 17 years old. I graduated early um, and I was prepared. Like I, I went and got an apartment. I went and got a job. I already had credit going, you know, so my dad taught me that the harder things are, the better the lesson is. And if you can continue to add all of those things together no matter how bad it gets, there's something inside of you that just continues to think, eh, I got this. I can go on. And, you know, when I was a kid, I was constantly getting stitches, broken arms, broken legs, broken every freaking thing. Um, and, um, you know, I'll be 50 years old in uh, three weeks on the 30th of September. And um, I still act like the crazy 12-year-old me riding my bikes and jumping off logs and my brain has never like uh, allowed me to 
forget that joy and that pleasure and all the things that life had to offer. And just a funny way to say it, one of my friends always says that you're never as alive as you are when you're almost dead. <laughs> and I think I've heard it said a lot of different ways. You're the most alive when you're close to death, those sorts of things. Adrenaline junkies generally say things like that. Yeah. I was, I was, uh, I was watching this documentary, actually. It had an old man in it, and he was sitting in his garden, like his beautiful garden, and he, I felt like he was about to die. And he was saying, like, he still felt like a little boy inside, like he was the same guy. It, it was just like, obviously, the vessel, the, the temple, whatever you want to call it, the body changes and, you know, but you're still, you're still the person, you're still, there's a sense of, of, of you, uh, a sense of something there inside that remains. Yeah, I, th I think a lot of people just allow the world to dictate what is allowed to stay. And, and, and by that, I mean, when you're a kid, you're told you can do anything you want. And then you say, well, I want to be a, a unicorn. Mm -hmm. And someone says, oh, no, no, no. Well, you can't be a unicorn. You got to have a job. And say, okay, well, then I want to be an astronaut. Well, maybe there's only a few astronauts. So maybe you could do something like accounting. Wait a minute. Five minutes ago, you said I could do whatever I want. And now we're down to being an accountant. That's the only thing I got. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. It's like, for me, being able to retain the the ch the childlike not childish but childlike way of thinking is that everything's possible everything's fun everything's awesome just get up every morning and just think that way um i have friends that carry the weight of the world on their shoulders and they wake up every day thinking that life is just going to beat them down and what they don't realize is that life had no intentions of doing that they did it for life so they're the ones that are beating themselves down and I think I'm just maybe too dumb to realize how how hard life is. So I just wake up every day with a smile and a boner most days, I hope, <laughs> continuing, <laughs> you know, still. Um, one of these days, I'm, that'll probably go away. <laughs> you just wake up with a smile on your face and um, and just think the best version. Like, don't always think of the bad shit because there is always bad shit, but there's always good shit too. You just got to be willing to be the one to manifest that in your life. You know, I wake up every day with bills and all kinds of crap I need to do, but I don't care. I got other things I want to do. And so I keep those positive thoughts in my head and um, I try to aim at those and then get the other stuff done at the same time somehow. How did you, how did you work through in regards to the accident with your arms? Because being an artist, obviously you use your hands quite often. How did you work through <laughs> the the gap in the in the time to be able to be creative um, with those tools? Um, well, I just, I didn't really. I, uh, I didn't really have a gap. Uh, I mean, obviously a few months because I was in and out of the hospital, um, but I had to have seven different surgeries over uh, almost a three-year period, about two and a half, two and three-quarter years. Um, so I was constantly in a cast or in some sort of um, uh, restrictive thing back and forth, like right hand, left hand, right hand, left hand. Yeah. Um, but the moment, the first round of surgeries obviously was a little bit of everything. So everything was incapacitated for the very first moments, I'll say the first couple of months. But as soon as one of my hands was functional, I started trying to make art. And um, uh, I was making art within um, a relatively short time, like an absolutely short time in comparison to um, a lot of people that I'm personally 
involved that I know that I know their situation where they've had accidents and things like that. But again, I've just never been, I don't know. I, I think I was just born and I was a little bit different. Like I've, I've never thought about, I've never thought of anything as being immovable or anything as being impossible. You know what I mean? Like it's just this weird, it's kind of like an insanity, you know, it's, it's like being incredibly confident that everything is going to be fine when there are no signs. You just know, you feel it. It's something inside that's just a part of you that you accept and you, uh, you allow that even though it doesn't really make sense, uh, um, you know, maybe even to the rest of the world, but it's just something inside that you, you feel. And, and I know exactly the feeling you're talking about and we should create a word for it. That'd be cool. Um, Hell, I, it doesn't even make sense to me most yeah, of the time. Yeah, I mean, words can't even explain some of that kind, that kind of a feeling, yeah. but we can try. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting what you were saying. Do you feel like during that time where you're, you were healing, I guess, and then you started creating art at that, that initial point, do you remember if... Um, I'm always interested about the connection between emotions and artwork. Do you feel like there was some sort of different kind of energy to your work? Well, to be honest with you, and, and I've said this throughout my entire life as an artist, and I've always been an artist my entire life. It's not emotional for me at all. Like it, it's really not an emotional thing. Of course, I get really stoked on something I'm making from time to time, but I would get stoked if you were making it as well. It's the same thing. Like if I saw you making some, I'd be like, dude, I love that. And I would love it. But my work is not emotional. It's very mechanical. I'm very much an illustrator. I like to draw things I think are cool. And that's why I draw them and make them because I think they're cool and hope other people think they're cool. But I feel like that like, that vibe, like your work has that kind of a, a cool mechanical vibe to it. Like that's what I get from it when I see it, which is great. It's like its own kind perfect. of style, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's interesting how that resonates through the work. Yeah, it's perfect. And so for me, it wasn't emotional. It was just a matter of, all right, well, I've got these broken um, tools and I've got to figure out how to make art. So what I did is because my wrist, I still don't have full flexion in my wrist. Um, so I started drawing more with my elbow and more with my shoulder. And, you know, that's just, it's an art technique anyway. I found out later that in art school, which I, I did not go to art school, um, apparently they teach you like there's wrist drawing, there's elbow drawing, there's shoulder drawing, there's full body drawing mm. and painting and mm. things. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm just using the next joint up because that one is broken. And so I started figuring out, I mean, even with cast, literally cast on my arms, as soon as I could hold an instrument to make a line with or anything, I just started going for it. That's like, cool. Like, it's just, I've got to get back to doing this because this is my job. It's, all, it's almost like you're, job. you're like upskilling in a way. You're like taking your, your yeah. shit to the next level because you're, you're getting better at uh, figuring out ways to use your body in different ways to, to make that, to, to speak through the art. Yeah. And I had to draw a little bit bigger. Obviously I was used to drawing in a small sketchbook, like a nine by 12 sketchbook. So I just stepped up to like a 14 by 17. I mean, that's really the biggest change that happened was, um, and then as far as micro motor function, like in my hands, um, I've found that I do have some issues, you know, which I just, I just adjust for. And fortunately my art isn't super precise. So that's great. Um, it's kind of goofy, so um, most people might not notice that as I'm making, I'm making hand gestures as if people can see me, but as I'm making like lines, they might have like some little 
wiggles in them instead of being a nice smooth arc or something. I have to turn the paper upside down sometime now and sideways instead of being able to make that one smooth motion. But, um, I mean, mechanically, it's just like anything else. Like if you went to a, a professional uh, mechanic and you said, well, I know you have your super pro, extra perfect, awesome tools, but we're going to hand you this shitty set of tools from like the flea market. Now go. He would figure it out. Do you, you know. do you have this kind of, uh, I guess, mechanic way of looking at things when it comes to uh, bike riding as well and maybe even maintaining your bikes? I think we're getting a weird sound. Oh, there. It's, I think it's going away. Sorry. What was that? Um, I had like a weird, uh, almost like an airplane sound coming into my into my ears. I didn't know if it was oh, coming from your side. Yeah, it's probably mine. Oh. There's heaps of planes over here. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're looking for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hide me. Um, so uh, you were asking about the mechanical side of things. Yeah. And, and yeah, like basically if you look at my drawings, um, everything is very much, um, it's structured as if it were going to be built. Even if it's goofy and warped and twisted and all sorts of wackiness. I say to people, if you made something that I painted or drew, even though it would be really silly looking, it would have all the correct parts and they would be in it reasonably within in the correct place to function and that's another thing that's that's non-emotional like i can express emotion through my artwork like i can make something look like it's going fast or it's excited or it's angry or it's happy but that's all just through mechanical means like when you look at a beautiful painting like a, a renaissance painting of some sort that's got all this atmosphere and mood and like it makes you feel emotional yeah that's not my artwork my artwork the high compliment for my artwork is if you said, you know what, that would make a badass tattoo or a t-shirt or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I'm like, yes, yeah. accomplished. But yeah, like I'm very mechanical. I love drawing things that have edges and, and, you know, bolts and nuts and, you know, whatever. Yeah. I love the reason I mentioned bike riding earlier is because I know that you're really into that and the mechanics seems to come, come into bikes with like, you know, maintaining the bikes and going for a ride and just all the parts. Cause I know... I've kind of dipped my toe in that world and I know the beauty of kind of, you know, um, maintaining a bike and looking after it and, and enjoying yourself and having good times with, with, with that. Um, so it just seems to be, and especially because there's a lot of kind of bikes within your artwork as well, there seems to be some kind of a link there. Well, bicycles have been, man, I, if I have to say, um, I joke with my wife all the time and say that it's, um, art, bicycles, and then my family. And, and that's a joke, but they've been here the longest, you know, as long as I can remember. And even before I can remember my, my folks always said I was trying to draw and make art and whatever. And then as soon as I can remember ever having bicycles, they've never left my life. And I joke all the time and say that if it weren't for art and bicycles, I would have probably gone into a life of crime. You know, like I've never been on drugs. I've never been a drinker. I've never been partying. I've never done any of those things because I want to stay up late and draw pictures or I want to get up early and go ride my bike or something. And so I always think of those things as like, man, I would love to have like, like some cool experiences with these things, but then I don't get to go do this other thing, which I know I love. <laughs> it's a guarantee. So, huh? so I guarantee it. I'm going to have fun. If I'm pedaling a bicycle, even if it's the worst time ever, like yesterday I rode and I had been working on my van 
the day before. And I was very sore because I, I did it just dumb. I had access to a lift, but I was like, oh, I'll just do it in my own garage on the floor. Oh my gosh. So I spent four and a half hours crawling around on the concrete floor. So I was really sore and just like sort of beat up feeling like my elbows, the back of my head, my knees, everything that made contact with the concrete all day was bruised up. So I came home from riding and Sarah said, well, how was your ride? And I was like, it was fucking horrible. And she goes, really? And I was like, oh, I don't mean the ride. I was like, my body was horrible. <laughs> my body was already beat up before I got there. You're having a good I ride went, no matter what though. Yeah. And then I went to the hardest place in, around to go ride. So I, I knew I was in for it. Like I had been beat up and then I went in for another round, you know, and I was like, so it was horrible, but I really enjoyed it. And she's like, you are the weirdest person in the world. She's like, you're bleeding, you're limping, you look like you've just been in a car accident, but you're still smiling and telling me how awesome it was. So I was like, yeah. She's like, oh, well, that's why I love you. you it's know? interesting <laughs> when you get certain types of feedback from loved ones and how they can see you in maybe a different kind of perspective than we might be able to see ourselves sometimes. Can you talk to me a little bit about family and maybe support? Well, um, my mom, who's passed away now, um, always encouraged me to do art. Um, my dad was, he, he, I think he liked the idea that I liked art, but he was that dude who was like, you got to have a job, blah, 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 whatever. And I was like, ah, whatever. And, uh, and I mean, that was it. Like I've never really, um, I didn't go to art school or anything. Um, I just, again, with the, the weird things that are just built into me, I always just believed my own thoughts. And I always thought, oh, I should be an artist. This is what I do. I draw pictures. There's no reason this shouldn't work. And in the real world, like I could, there's probably a million reasons why it shouldn't work. Um, and then I was actually at uh, an exhibition doing some artwork and my wife walked up. Well, she wasn't my wife then, of course. She was this young, beautiful girl. She walks up and she literally has a giant um, uh, ball python wrapped around her shoulders. And I was just like, where did this like crazy, beautiful, young, like jungle woman come from? Like she's got this snake. She looks all exotic and she's just, you know, I, I, for the lack of a better way to say it, she's just a regular, like cute little blue eyed white girl. But she had this like feel about her that wasn't normal. Like she felt like from another planet. <laughs> and so I like pretty much fell in love right then. And then it took me like 10 years of, uh, being around her and being an art mentor because she's also an artist. Um, and basically I was her landlord. I was like basically kind of like her big brother. I was like her job mentor. I was her, you know, talked to her about school and I was always there for her. And, um, and uh, basically we just continued growing and growing and growing together. And then, um, you know, I felt like, well, this is my favorite person on earth. And, like, why wouldn't I want to be married to her? So I asked her to marry me. She said, yes. Now we have, we've been married for many years and, um, we have a two year old. Um, so, and he's insane. Yeah. Like yeah. he's awesome little dude, but she's an illustrator, artist, painter, you know, as myself. And, um, neither of us are emotional artists. We both just, it just happens whether we want it to or not. We're making art, drawing and painting all the time. It's more like a necessity than an emotional attachment. It's like breathing almost, you know, it's really weird. That's fascinating. That's incredible. Yeah. Why is her artwork much different to yours? And, and if so, in what ways? 
Yeah, hers is actually good. So that's that's the main. <laughs> nah, you got some good stuff, Joe. I'm actually keen to see some of her artwork. I'm just that sounds it's like an actually, amazing story. And congrats on the little one and and the marriage. What's the little one's name, by the way? Edison. Edison. I like that. I like Edison that. Forrest Tidwell. Forrest, like as in the woods and trees, not like Forrest Gump. I really liked what you said in our last chat, and we were talking about uh, little ones, and we were, we were talking about, you know what what we like what would be nice what to see in in the the future versions of them and you said to me you know just he's a good person yeah that's my only requirement and, and i felt like that was amazing and i really took something away from that so i don't know thanks i guess <laughs> yeah i mean i think that parents um have these expectations and i think a lot of it comes from them wanting to well obviously it's not a conscious decision but somehow to live vicariously through their children. I think that's the right word. Um, and see their children become the things that they weren't able to be because maybe they got sidetracked by work or maybe they got sidetracked by said pregnancy of child, you know? But, um, you know, for like, obviously I'm, I'm about to be 50 years old. Sarah just uh, is 35. And so she, you know, we had a baby two years ago and we've been, you know, in each other's lives for almost 17 years. So we just kind of did our thing. And then we were like, you know what? We're doing this crazy building project. We're not really going to get to do anything for a couple of years. Let's uh, see if we can get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, we were super lucky. We got pregnant practically like right then. <laughs> and uh, it just worked out. And we have this beautiful, healthy kid. And it's just like, it's amazing. And we're just trying not to fuck him up. You know, we want him to just always be that beautiful, crazy kid. And like I said, I have one requirement, and that is that he's a good person. Yeah. I don't care anything else about him. Like, he can be anything else he wants. He can be a fucking unicorn and live on Mars if he wants to. Just be a good person. Like, consider other people and put them as first as possible in your life. And try not to be an asshole. Like, other than that, do whatever the hell you want, dude. Like. Good. If you want to, if you hate art, you want to be like wear suits and work in an office and, and think art is just like, you know, your favorite football team poster on your man cave wall, rock on, just do it as a good person. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how sometimes we could have, um, kind of the opposite to that kind of an influence, uh, maybe some pressure from, from parents or even pressure from the external world and environment to kind of, uh, conforming to a certain direction or like you said earlier um, become an accountant or maybe an accountant's like i don't know i'm being a bit harsh with accountants if they're loving well, it <laughs> if they're loving <laughs> it if they're loving it they're loving it but i just mean um in regards to like if your parents want you to become an accountant and then you're kind of or a lawyer or whatever uh, kind of the traditional things that we see often uh it's interesting how Sometimes if it's not really what you want to do, you end up being stuck in something. I was talking about this a little bit earlier today with my job at the bank. And I feel like, yeah, it's 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 great that you don't put that pressure on and you're probably going one step further in, in being such a great kind of uh, influence or person to be around so that he can really learn from a great example. So um, I just want to say, you know, this is a, it seems like a great way to think about things. Well, and Sarah is my wife, Sarah is an amazing like 
she's not even in here. I can say this about her. I would say this even when I was mad at her, but she's an amazing person. And she has this chill vibe about her that even when I'm going off the rails, like it's almost as if like her brain thinks like a stoned person. Like she's just always chill, you know, for the most part. When she gets upset, I get scared because that means I've done something really dumb. (laughs) But so she's a really great influence for the kid. And the kid is, uh, Edison is, um, man, he, they have such a great relationship and he and I have a great relationship. He loves everyone. Like you go in a store, man, he wants to say hi to everyone and hug people. And like, I love that about him. Like, we don't care if, like, if he wants to wear girl clothes or boy clothes or no clothes. Well, maybe at least a diaper for sure at this point. Um, but like, we have so many friends that have children around the same age and we just look at them and we think, wow, man, like you guys are putting so many like rules and restrictions. This is a two year old. Like that is their job is to smear waffles all over their face. That's what they're supposed to do. Like not put their shoes on the right feet and not want to wear shoes and scream if you try to take them out of the mud hole they just dug in the backyard, like that's their job. Like you can't apply an office, you know, nine to five punch the clock mentality to a two-year-old. Mm. And it's just a strange thing. Like, and, and I had terrible parents and I don't know why I have a, what I think to be a, a relatively decent grip on what it takes to be a parent. But I think it was just that I have all these great examples of what not to do. And so I'm, I'm applying it that way. I just wanted to take a quick pause and share my gratitude directly to you. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for being open to hear the shared experiences and stories of good people in the hopes of elevating ourselves. Uh, I just really appreciate you coming on this journey with me. So thanks. Uh, I'm going to start sprinkling little bits of magic through the, throughout the episodes. I've got a song. There's going to be um, speeches. There's going to be pieces of wisdom, snippets, um, little bits of information and quotes that I'm going to kind of uh, put through the episodes to add another, I guess, creative element and and to help you guys out and make the show a little bit more enjoyable. So this is a piece of music uh, by a handpan duo. A handpan is uh, the instrument that I play at the beginning of most episodes and throughout the shows. And it's like a steel drum. And this piece of music is made by two guys that literally just have two instruments. And I find it really relaxing and and incredibly um, chill. So I just wanted to play it for you guys and, and see what you think. It does go for six minutes. So even though I do suggest kind of being open to it and checking it out, you can skip through it if you like and, and continue on with the chat. There is a video as well, an amazing video of them playing uh, their pans that I'm going to put up on the website, goodpeopleeffect.com, uh, which I do encourage you to visit at some point as well. Uh, but here is Eagle Eye by Yatao. Enjoy.
Yeah, I mean, and it's really interesting also at the point of my life I am to embark on this um, being a, a dad. You know, I was he he was born and then a month later I turned 48 years old. So, you know, I kind of put that in perspective and it's like, well, when he turns 13, I'll be 61. And it's like, it's going to be hard to to put a foot in his ass whenever he does dumb things as a teenager, whenever, if I can't even lift my foot. So <laughs> I, I, I joke with, with my wife and I'm like, I'm going to have to hire like a stunt child abuse agent so I can just bring him in. <laughs> it's totally a joke, of course. But it's like, it's a weird time to do that because a lot of people, you know, have children in their, I mean, nowadays, hell, I mean, teens, 20s, early 30s, whatever. My mom turned 17 and I was born the next month. Yeah, it's such um, an individual so, thing, isn't it? Everyone's yeah, got their own so story. Strange. And it's just so different from your story is totally different to anyone else's. And it's yeah, so And I couldn't have done this when I was 20. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, you wouldn't have been maybe uh the right person to be able to, you know, help out and think this way. I think um that's that's really fascinating. I can't wait till I'm 50. I can't wait till I'm older and hopefully wiser and just kind of have had had more experiences in this in this life. I don't know. I, I'm really looking forward to it. And it's interesting how a lot of people don't. Uh, they kind of well, see things the other way around. Well, maybe you'll be as pretty as me when you're 50. I don't know, Gerald. <laughs> looking pretty good at the uh, moment. I'm liking the tats <laughs> and the, uh, oh, the muscles are out. <laughs> so your place no, is dude. pretty cool. What's with, um? you've got a stop sign behind you and there's some, cool like pieces of art on the wall what's going on over there uh, it's just in the studio um we have a crazy once again with my insanity of not believing the voices that you know come from external sources that i just believe the shit that's in my head um where i'm at right now is we have a um uh and i invited you to come visit so that that invitation is still open um and we're going to go and smash in some trees and rocks on our mountain that bikes. sounds like good fun but um um, we had a beautiful house in a really cool, the trendy, like nice artsy part of town, which it became after I purchased the house. I bought it when it was kind of a shitty area actually. Um, and it was all paid for and everything was good. No major bills or anything like that. And I just got this crazy idea that I just wanted to do something big before I was too old and too broken. So we purchased a 9,000 square foot abandoned cabinet factory. And a 5,800 square foot warehouse destructed building next door, and decided to make our home, our art gallery, our studios, workshop, everything, and studio spaces for other people and all that sort of stuff. And is um, that where you are now? Yeah, this is the, so our house, the the 9,000 square foot building, um, and to give you an idea how big that yeah, is, it's basically, that is. it's. It's a uh, forty-six feet wide and two hundred feet long, just rough. Can you tell me in meters? <laughs> I don't know meters. Divide that by like what three? I, I guess. Don't know I don't how know. it works. Okay, so what'd you say? Forty-six feet. So it's nine thousand square feet. So that would be what well, that would be three thousand square meters or more. Are you serious? That's huge. Yeah, it's massive, dude. It sounds like a really like, random idea. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a random idea, and. Um, so we just went for it and um, here we are half a million dollars later and um, we have like Artner Dreamland. Yeah. And so it's crazy. It's it's the most amazing 
and horrible thing I've ever done. <laughs> Why horrible? Fuck, dude. I bought an abandoned cabinet factory and tried to get through all the city permits and everything to turn it into a house. And then they wanted to know why the hell I needed a 9,000 square foot home. <laughs> and then trying to get uh, electricity and plumbing and all of those things done all, you know, to code. And of course, all the building and structural and oh my God, it's insane. How long was it, it to is, uh, to build it or to get to uh, the stage that you're at now? From the day we purchased it until the day that we got our certificate of occupancy um, was about 13 months, mm -hmm. which was, which was, I had said that it was going to be 12 months. And of course, everyone said I was crazy, including building inspectors, the, the public resource stuff, all of the permit offices and everything else. And, um, they allowed me to be my own general contractor. Um, I of course designed and, um, did all of the work and then had professional, you know, like electricians and plumbers and that sort of thing. Um, and then I worked on site every day, um, anywhere from 12 to 16 hours, seven days a week, straight through holidays, straight through everything and, um, got it done. And, um, it was, it's a crazy experience. I, I looked at it as like the same thing as getting through broken arms or getting through broken legs or getting through, uh, you know, whatever it took. I just focused on the, the final goal, and that's the only thing that mattered. Of course, there were going to be stumbles along the way, but just don't quit thinking about the reason. Because the moment you lose sight of the reason you're doing something, everything becomes impossible and too hard. Um, you know, So like to me, I, I tell people it this way. If you look across the horizon and you see a, a lump on the horizon, and you say to yourself, I'm going to go climb that lump. And you cross streams and valleys and hills and mountains and, you know, wild animals and everything else. And you get there and it becomes Mount Everest once you get to it. You still need to just keep focused on that point because that's what you came all this way to get to. And even though now you've gotten to the point where you realize the nearly impossibleness of it, it doesn't matter. Keep focusing on that point. You got this far. What was your point? Um being able to sleep in here legally, being able to put a mattress on the floor and go to sleep knowing that everything around me was exactly how it was supposed to be and that it was safe and it was done right. Like that was the most important thing is that it has to be done right and safe. Um, and uh, man, it was one hell of a journey to say the least. And I'm still working on the other building. Um, currently we're doing all the new construction and everything in the other building. Um, so we'll have artist studio spaces and gallery and all that sort of stuff next door. That sounds really exciting and just so amazing. That's, that's incredible. You can say insane. It's okay. <laughs> okay. It's a little bit local. <laughs> it's totally freaking local. But, um, I don't know. It's just one of those times when I, and everyone who knows me knows that I'm a bit crazy in that I do whatever the hell I think, right? Well, whenever I came up with this idea, even the true believers in Gerald's insanity were like, dude, are you sure you want to do this? Like, this is, I know you're crazy, but this is like, this isn't just crazy. This is like seriously 
technical, seriously expensive. And if it goes catastrophically wrong, you've just risked your entire future. Everything you've built, everything you've paid for, all of your assets, all of everything could all go away. You know what I said to him? But if I don't do it, I'll always wonder what it would have been. So why not? Fuck it. I got that stuff. If it all goes south, I'll just get it again. Exactly. You'll you'll figure it out. You'll learn from it and you'll move forward. yeah. Yeah. You can, like, I know this sounds weird because people, money is this, this measuring stick, but you can always get money. There's always money to be had. You can do something to get money, but you can't always, like, put your dreams aside for that. Like, one day you're going to have to decide if money or you, which one is more important. And I've always put me or, you know, my life or my experience here on this rock first. And somehow, randomly and magically, well, knock on wood, I always end up with the amount of money I need. Maybe not more, you know, but shit happens. Bills get paid. Bike parts get purchased. Diapers and baby food gets purchased. And somehow it happens because I just believe it's going to happen. And I know that sounds hokey and all like whatever, you know, like, but it's absolutely true. Um, And I could give you a dozen examples that some of them are hilarious and some of them are weird, but where money all but literally fell from the sky whenever I needed it. Just crazy things. Like I was working, I'll I'll give you one example because you can't just leave that open like that. Yeah, maybe give me two. (laughs) I was was working for this, um, a Christian book company that I was working on a a comic book, a graphic novel for the actor Stephen Baldwin. He got involved with this religious place. Well, he was a crazy religious guy, or still is, I guess. And he contacted me through a skateboard company. I guess he sponsored them or something. And he was like, dude, give me your artist." Um, phone number. So this guy calls me one day and he's like, yo, dude, Stephen Baldwin, whatever. And I was like, man, you sound exactly like you do in the movies. And he was like, look, I want to hire you to do these books. Okay. So now cut to months later, we are um, working on these books and I need to make like hundreds of scans. And so I had this crappy scanner. So I was like, you know what? I want to get a professional scanner. I don't know. Um, like exactly what I need. So I checked it and in, checked into it and a really nice scanner at that time. This is many years ago. It was like 1100 bucks. Right. So I just, uh, it's pricey. I was like, yeah, it's very pricey. And I was like, all right, I don't have the money. I can't use the money from the books cause I haven't been paid yet. Mm-hmm. I can't ask these people for money cause they'll think I'm trying to pull a scam. Well, like two days later I get a check from this publishing company and it was for a thousand dollars. And so I called and I was like, hey, the guys that I talked to there was Jeff. And I said, hey, Jeff, um, I got this check and I don't know what it's for. I asked Stephen. He didn't okay a check. So can you figure out what it is? He goes, yeah, no problem. Let me get you over to accounting. I'm sure there's probably whatever it is. So I get there. They're like, well, you have no outstanding invoices. This isn't even attached to a purchase order at all. Literally just a randomly generated $1,000 check. To me, you know what they told me? Because I guess because it was a religious company, he, the lady said, 
I guess the Lord just knew you needed it. So don't worry about it. And they never took it. They literally never took it out of my pay of anything. My book pay stayed exactly the same. And that's what you needed. You were a hundred bucks off, but that's what you needed. That's crazy. So, so that is the kind of shit that happens in my life. Can I have one more? That was fun. So, okay. Um, I don't know. Like, um, I needed $400 to pay some bills or, you know, whatever it was. I don't remember what it was at the time, but I do remember where I found it. Okay. I was cleaning out my closet, picking up stuff to take to Goodwill, which is kind of a, a, a funny segue into getting an awesome gift. I'm gathering up things to give away and a little wad of money, like a little roll of money falls out of one of my shoes. It was $400. Do you hide it and from I yourself and then you just forgot about well, it? Well, I stash money around all yeah, the time. Yeah, I do that as well. Yeah. And so, so I called my girlfriend at the time and I was like, dude, you are not going to believe what just happened. She mm. goes, this is what she said. Let me guess. You found some money. And I was like, yeah. She's like, Exa- <laughs> she she's like exactly how much you needed, right? And I said, almost exactly. She's like, I hate you. She's like, I have never seen anything else like this in my life. And my dad says it this way. He said, the reason money finds me is because I'm not out looking for it. And he said, I'm the only person in the world not chasing money. And it doesn't know what to do with that. So it finds me. I thought that was a funny That's way to best. think of it. Like, Your dad's like little way of thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I mean, he obviously, he's a, he's a super uh, like church Christian guy. Okay. So he's always trying to tell me that it's, it's God's blessings and all that. It's, I don't believe in that stuff. But um, you know what? However it happens, it's awesome. And, um, you know, uh, here's an example that happened last week. Last week, we, well, on August 22nd. So what is that? Two weeks now, basically. Yeah. We got, uh, we had to pay our insurance on the other building. And um, it doesn't come out of escrow or anything like our building. So it was a surprise. Um, and I should remember that it happens in August. I just forgot. So it was $3,100, right? I had two people lined up to buy paintings. Both of them bailed. So Sarah decides to put one of her favorite paintings that she's ever made. She just puts it online and a guy writes her and says, is that for sale? She said, yes. He said, how much? She told him $3,500. He was like, I'll take it. Really? The most expensive painting she's ever sold. She wasn't even, it wasn't even like on the mark market or anything she was just like well your guys bailed so let me just put one of mine out there and see what happens so not only did she sell her most expensive painting ever but it was almost exactly what we needed and we had no other prospect for that money like obviously we had our bills covered but that was a big chop you know that's amazing and so it's just like but she and i both wake up every day and think "Eh, it'll be fine we're gonna figure it out that's, like there's just, I think just there's, there's, there's no room for negativity, there. there's man. There's a lesson in there, you know. To, now I'll, I'll never get money ever again. Now you realize that, like, nah, that's you'll be all right. <laughs> you'll be fine. No, that's, uh, a joke. that's yeah. It's it's very interesting hearing kind of uh, that perspective because it is kind of so contrary to how a lot of people see things, and it's interesting how everything works out in the end. That's something that I've realized recently. Like everything works out one way or another in the end, like everything's okay. There'll be light in the morning. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's, it's so comforting. So when you, when you, when you're allowed, when you allow yourself to let go like that. 
Well, it's, it's terribly irresponsible in one way, but because it's been my whole life this way, mm. it doesn't feel that way. Mm. Like it doesn't feel irresponsible to just, I mean, obviously I'm out here hustling and kicking ass. And of course, there's, to a more, there's, a more, there's more to the story but, than just letting go, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, um, I think I've heard it said, and I'm going to butcher this because I don't even remember who said it, but it's amazing to see the people who work the hardest always consider themselves to be lucky. And in, and the other side of that is the people who just want and just try to sit around and have that faith thing and just, oh my God, I'm not going to do anything because faith, I have faith that's going to work out. Well, that's not really how it works. You've got to be working your ass off. And then the universe, I think, recognizes that and it gets your back. But if you're just sitting around on your ass expecting things, I think you're in for a really rude awakening. Like I am in the streams, I'm swimming upstream, I'm fighting a good fight every day. So when these things happen, I smile, I thank the universe, I keep on going. You know, at no point do those awesome gifts from the universe um, tell me to just relax and quit trying. You know, if I got a million dollars today, I would still be sitting here talking to you Actually, I might have just flown over to see you. If I got a <laughs> that would be awesome. But like, it wouldn't. Like, I wouldn't go buy a brand new car yeah. or anything like that. I would do the do the things that are supposed to be done with these things. And just for the record, I give away everything I can because I always, you know, I, I always joke and say, "Well, if you don't give everything away, then how are you going to have room for the new shit you get?" Yeah, you know what I mean. So, how can the universe send you? awesome gifts if you if you don't have any room for it it's a beautiful feeling giving things away <laughs> as well you know you you feel great you you need to make room for those awesome things right but yeah, it's also dude. some of those awesome things are within yourself giving things away it's just it's such an amazing feeling especially when it's something meaningful you know like a conscious gift so just in regards to what you said earlier it's pretty funny because my partner actually said to me the other day she was like what what do you want what do you want with the podcast? Like, what would you do? Because I'm, it's so interesting. You're saying all of this to me at a time where I'm, I really need to hear it personally because a lot of these kind of uh, ways of looking at things, even though we know them to be true, sometimes, you know, fears take over or there's different patterns of thinking and different ways of looking at things and, and stresses arise. And, and I feel like that's such a potent lesson for me at this, at the perfect time for me to hear it. So thank you, first of all, Gerald. So my partner said to me, what would you do with the podcast if you know, money wasn't an issue and you could do whatever you wanted with it. And I thought to myself, I'm not sure. But one of the things was actually to be able to fly to guests, to find, you know, the most amazing people to help serve and to help share these lessons and thoughts and experiences and to fly to them and have this kind of, kind of a live interaction uh, just to, just to add to a different type of, uh, to, to create a different type of energy for the show. And, um, yeah, it's, it, it's funny that you say, you know, if you had a million dollars, you'd fly here. So that's, that's a really cool kind of link, I guess. Well, I, I, I feel like I've said all this stuff and I sound like some sort of, you know, like I've just nah, lived in some, some fantasy nah, dreamland man. that I think no one else I, can I, get to. I feel like but I wanna, that's not true at all. Not at all. Well, I want to give the listeners a little... If I can, I don't want to call it a piece of advice. Some a suggestion. If you want to learn more about your thoughts and what you feel like, and I tell my friends this, and I do it, and everyone thinks it's funny when I tell them, 
and then they go and do it. And it is an unbelievable experience. It's not like drugs. It's not like anything else. This is something that will totally rock your brain. And it's, and it's silly and it's amazing. I want everyone who's listening, all three of you, <laughs> I'm just joking, um, but I want everyone who's listening to do something. And this will be one of the most important things that you'll ever do for yourself in your life. One, I want you to start thinking about how insignificant you are as a person, as just a physical entity. If you were to just evaporate right now, how would the, the world be changed? What would happen? Obviously, your family and friends would cry and they would have a ceremony or whatever. But what would really change? Would the sun come up tomorrow? Would the moon rise tonight? Would the, the world stop spinning on its axis? I don't think so. So once you realize that and you realize that you only matter because of what you do, then it puts you in a mindset that says to me, what is it that I need to do so that maybe something I've done will matter? And that's kindness. Those are things that kindness is free. And it is an amazing thing that changes people's lives. You know, if I die today and someone put on my tombstone, he was a real nice dude. That would be the most amazing accomplishment of all life. Okay, so once you're in that mindset and you've been thinking like this for a few days and you've really been trying to like dig into what makes you matter, because you're insignificant, whether you like it or not, you're like a speck of dust. We don't matter. You and I could both burst into flames right now, and the only thing that might matter is if someone listened to these recordings and smiled. So now here's the thing that you got to do. It seems super simple, but turn your cell phone off, turn off your TV, turn off your fan, turn off anything in a room that makes noise. Turn on every light in that room. Take off all of your clothes and stand naked in front of the, a full-length mirror if you have one, the largest mirror you have, and look at yourself. Just stand there and stare at yourself. You ready for this? For 20 minutes. Just 20. Doesn't seem like that long. I used to say an hour, but like that's really difficult. Do it for 20 minutes. If during that 20 minutes you don't feel weird or like people are looking at you or something like that, then you're not trying hard enough. I want you to look at you and see you. Look at your vagina, your penis, your, your ass. Look at your titties. Look at your hair. Look at, your, look at the ugliest parts of you and the most beautiful parts of you. But do nothing else. Look at yourself for 20 minutes straight in the brightest, most harsh, unflattering light with absolutely no distraction. Take your pets out. Take everything out. I want it to be 100% just you with you. Now, if 20 minutes doesn't change you, do it for 30. Do it for an hour. And then for the rest of your life, every day when you wake up, I want you to walk to the mirror and look at yourself. And you will be able to recall the moment when it wasn't weird, when you actually just accepted who you are. And then for the rest of your life, every day, you look in the mirror, and when you know that connection with yourself, and you can look yourself directly in the eyes, and now that sounds weird because you're looking at yourself, but I look at myself, and I'm honest with myself. You know what I mean? I look in the mirror, and I say things to myself like, look, I'm no Brad Pitt, but I bet Brad Pitt can't build a fucking house. You know what I mean? Like, 
I don't know if he can jump that same ditch on a bicycle. I'm me. I, I have my set of attributes, you know, and once you've done that and you do it maybe once a year or just whenever you're feeling like the world is influencing you too much, just strip away everything literally and stare at yourself until you are okay with you. Not the version of you that you think you're supposed to be. I'm telling you, 20, 30 minutes staring at yourself naked in a mirror and not moving, not sitting down, just standing there. Like if that doesn't change the way you think about you, then you might need to go to the doctor and get your pulse checked because you may no longer be in the living. Like it's just that simple. I'm keen to try this out. This sounds like a really cool thing to do. I'm going to, I'm going to definitely try this out. I can see how, how uh, this kind of an experience will help you understand yourself better. And I feel like looking and trying new things, especially something spontaneous, something different is only going to help you kind of find a different path and, and, and grow. Uh, but looking at yourself is very important and how well we know ourselves and how, how truthful we are with ourselves, I feel is uh, very important, very important to be able to, you know, connect to who we really are and, and live our journey and go through our our path as, as authentically and as kind of, I don't know, just to experience things in a real way. Um, well, that definitely makes you more self-aware mm. and more accepting of you. Mm-hmm. Like all of this, this, uh, all of this stuff that's projected at us yeah. every day, all the judgments, all of the ideas of other people and all of the constraints and all of the social ideas, all of that goes away at about 10 minutes or so. Because then you start realizing like, oh, what is that little, what's that freckle on my leg? I never saw that. What's this thing? You know, I look kind of, I stand kind of crooked. Like you start thinking of you. And then after the, the, the longer you're there, you start thinking, why would I, why did I feel so weird in the beginning? Why did this seem so strange? It almost seemed like it, the weirdest things. The first time I did it, I did it for an hour. And for the first few minutes, it felt as if our masturbating and people were looking through the window that's how weird it felt yeah i could but see I was. i'm just standing there i could you know? see like, how that would feel super strange i watched the i watched the ted talk recently which i'm going to send to you gerald after this chat and i'll put it on the show notes as well it was uh, it was an irish lady she was very insightful and i was, was talking she was talking about um the out the reflection of ourselves in the mirror and she was saying how like we never see a real mirror because everything we look at is kind of twisted the other way so that's how we get used to looking at ourselves. And it gets very interesting when you look at like a real mirror and you look at yourself from the same angle as you actually are. And you you notice these things, like maybe one shoulder is a little bit higher than the other, or maybe, you know, um, you know, you're squinting a little bit with one eye, or you see these things that you, you know, could be categorized as imperfections, but they really make you who you are and you get that glimpse into yourself. I'll send you a link to this chat, uh, this this TED talk. It was it was really cool and it was really close to what you're saying. Well, you know, I have a theory that in in a room full of, and I'm going to put my quote fingers up in the air, in a room full of perfect people, the person with an imperfection is not only the most interesting, but they also become the most attractive person in that room because you recognize the humanness of them. And I think that that's what happens is that we have ourselves, we have the idea of ourselves, we have the projected image of ourselves, and now we have this social media version of ourselves 
um, I, I try to keep it completely real, but I just mean in general, like I don't try to make everything shiny and rainbows on my social media. It's like, if I don't feel like fucking with it, I just don't put anything on there for two weeks. I don't care. Um, but once you can start to strip those things away, like you just get more connected with you and you realize that it doesn't make a shit what everyone else thinks. Like it really doesn't like it just, I mean, in, like, unless you're giving me the breath to wake up in the morning, then why does your opinion matter to me? Okay, so you're my boss. You signed my checks. Guess what? There's 10 million other bosses that will be happy to sign a check. Like, who gives a shit? But there's only one you. So just find out who you are by actually just allowing yourself to be you. And I think that you will become a more interesting person because then you stop filtering yourself. Like I'm not very good at filtering myself. You know, I'm silly. I get angry. I yell. I want to throw things. I'm very physical person. Like I want to like go out and do physical things. I don't mean physical, like attacking people. I mean, physical, like just on the street with a bat. (laughs) Yeah. Just ah! (laughs) like, no, I like to build things and break things and do things like, you know, and it's like, all of those things keep me aware of my body and my physical person. And by doing that, you can't deny, like you, you, you stay more connected to yourself. I don't know. It's, it's weird. Like if, for instance, if you go to a gym to work out every day, how much of going to that gym is literally just for you and your workout? Why don't you take some rocks and go out in the woods and do a workout? What's the difference? The difference is the exposure, the outside sort of um, input that you're getting from a gym or from someone, the way they look at you or, the, or you know, the smells of that place or there are reasons. You could get the same workout at your house. You get the same workout in your backyard. You get the same workout in the woods. So why do you get dressed in a certain type of clothes, take a certain type of bottle, water bottle, go to a certain place at a certain time? And do certain things. And it's like, those are all things that you're doing for external reasons. They're not the re- they're not the actual thing that you're doing for your health or for your workout or for your strength or whatever it is you're trying to do. You can do those things by yourself. So why not? Why not just do the things that you want to do the way you want to do them instead of in a way that's, I don't, I, not to sound weird, but like instead of, putting on a show, just do it for you. Do it for the real reason. You know what I mean? And, and if you look at life, that can sort of be extrapolated into lots of parts of life. Um, but I just had this talk with a friend of mine recently who he was going to the gym and he was like, everything's short of having makeup on. I was like, what are you, you going on a date or something, dude? And he's like, what are you talking about, dude? I'm going to the gym. I was like, is it a modeling contest or something? I said, I know what you look like when you're doing your yard or something. You don't look like this. Everything matches. You have on brand new shoes. You look pretty. Hell, I want to go out with you. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, no, it's not like that. I said, is it or isn't it? Like and he calls me. He calls me later, and he's like, you're an asshole, dude. And oh, I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, I couldn't even fucking do my workout, man. All I was thinking about is all that shit you told me, and and like oh, whatever. And I said because it was the truth. And he was like, well, maybe a little bit, but whatever, dude. Yeah. And I was like. And I thought to myself, he'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. He just needs to stand in the mirror naked for a little while. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, but that's love, the best. That is so many nice. of my friends call me for advice, and then I tell them, and they're like, "That's bullshit, dude." I'll talk to you later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, why did you call me? You knew I wasn't going to tell you the answer you wanted to hear. Yeah, you know? yeah. Sometimes we're just asking the wrong questions. That's you know. Sometimes we ask the questions to get the answer we want. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the problem. Yeah. What's the real question? Yeah. What's the you question? Know? But yeah, good chat, Gerald. This has been this has been bloody good, man. <laughs> this has been a good laugh. I haven't laughed like this for a while, actually. This is good. Thank you for that. Um, talk to me about your artwork. Where can people find out about Gerald's uh, Gerald's artwork? Because um, oh, I mentioned this last time we had a chat, which, like we said, was lost in, in the kind of abyss. But uh, you, was, I saw that Moon Dollar of yours, which actually really want to get. I might buy that off you and get it printed somehow onto like a. Um, just something to throw up on the wall because I feel like it would look really, really fucking cool. And even the sketch you did to, to come up with that. But where can people see some of your stuff? Um, my website is humantree.com, um, H-U-M-A-N-T-R-E-E. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Artboy Tidwell, and just Gerald Tidwell on uh, Facebook. I don't have a Twitter or any of that kind of stuff. I don't think. My, one of my buddies says I have one, but I've never used it. So maybe it's just my name. Someone took it or something. Yeah. Um, and since we were talking about Sarah and her awesomeness, um, her website is theinkingdragon.com. I want to see it. Could you send me a photo of that that first painting that she sold at, at some point, if that's okay? Just I'm just yeah, curious. Dude. It's on her social media. Okay, um, cool. Um, but yeah, it was like, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. I mean, I can show it to you. I can go grab it in a second and like hold it up in front of the camera for you. No, nah, I don't want to make you run around the house. And I know, I know they just got home. So say hi for no, me. No, dude, it's well. right there. Ah, okay. Actually, well, yeah. Actually, they were leaving. I think she's taking the babysitter. Ah, uh, okay. No worries. Yeah. Well, if it's right there, I'm keen to see it, man. It looks, uh, yeah. looks cool. But um, I guess we'll end the show here then. But um, yeah, thanks again, man. I really appreciate you. You know, first of all, saying yes to do it again and suggesting that because that was such a such a crazy thing. I really appreciate your time. And second of all, just for two amazing chats. Well, dude, I really appreciate it. And um, if you don't mind me saying, like I told you before, because this is really important to me, is that I've been on this other podcast a few times and the people who have contacted me have contacted me for business reasons. And when you contacted me, and I saw the premise of your show and what it's all about and everything that you stand for, it, I felt emotional because I felt like that the entire time I'm doing this other stuff, that all I wanted was just to make a connection with a single person. I didn't want to make business connections. I didn't want to just sell more junk. I wanted to, someone to hear me and you heard me. And that made this podcast that you're doing like it, it it makes it it means so much to me that that you would have me on for something like this because this is way more important kindness is always more important than coolness and money and all of those other things and i think that what you're doing by putting a kind perspective and and having silly people like me give these ridiculous insights into how to be a crazy person and and think like yourself it's, it's a gift that you're giving the world that's more valuable than all of the free checks and all of the money falling out of shoes and every other thing that's possible. And it's an amazing thing because there's so many people that just hearing what you put out there is going to alter their life more than almost anything else in the world could. And that you should be, you should be incredibly proud that of your accomplishment with this, but you should also be 
humbled by this this responsibility that you've taken on yourself to put a smile and put a positive thing out into a world that just loves like terrible headlines. You know what I mean? Like you're putting a positive thing out there and that's amazing. So I wish you all the success in the world and I can't imagine how I would ever express how grateful I am that you invited me on. Hope you enjoyed the chat with Gerald. I know it was a really good chat for me. He's a really great guy and and there was a lot of good stuff that we spoke about. Hopefully some of those good vibes kind of came across to you guys as well. Uh, There's going to be plenty of information on the episode on goodpeopleeffect.com. There'll be show notes with links to all the stuff we've spoken about. I'm hoping to get some more stuff on the website. Uh, If you go on there at the moment though and you sign up to the tribe, I'm going to be sending out monthly emails to the first 100 people to sign up. They're going to get eBooks. Uh, They're going to get free online courses, uh, reading lists, podcast lists, heaps of content that I believe can help them grow on a monthly basis. Uh, So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Anyways, uh, next week's guest is going to be Jaquette. And Jaquette Timmons is actually someone that holds dinner parties in New York and they talk about finances. So I thought it'd be a pretty cool thing to do this episode back to back with the one with Jaquette who talks about more about the human side of money and we talk about some strategies and some finances and interesting chat. So I thought this could help you guys out as well. So if you enjoyed this one, I'm sure that that next one will be, you know, a nice kind of contrast to this this conversation. Uh, so please be, be uh, open to check that one out as well and enjoy your week in the meantime and have a good one.